Hello, and welcome to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gregson. My mission is to find everyday people who are delightful. The people I interview have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. And I want to give them a platform to share their stories so that others can have hope in the midst of their struggles and see delight in a world that at times can seem gloomy. I will uncover the life experiences of the guests that I interview, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way, with the belief that to understand the light, one has to be acquainted with the dark. My guests will share their personal experiences on finding their way through dark and hopeless times and give us a glimpse into the powerful gifts they received in their darkest hours to rise up, take up hope, and view life through new, hope-filled eyes. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find the light which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gregson, and I'm excited for another episode of Delight. And this mighty fine episode is with a good friend of mine named Sam Houston. Sam and I connected when my wife and I lived in Gilbert, Arizona for a couple of years while I worked for Marriott. And Sam and his incredible wife, April, are in our ward and the first time I ever met Sam, I went and sat in a lesson with a high priest group in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, here I am, don't know what to expect here, and, and just excited to be in the ward. I think it was my first or second Sunday there, and, and Sam gets up and he's teaching the lesson. And a couple things struck me about Sam. Um, number one, he reminded me of my father. So some of Sam's mannerisms when he talks and, and when he was bearing testimony reminded me a lot of my dad. And so that was kind of fun for me. But the second and the most important was I felt the power of Sam's spirit. Um, Sam, I've always looked to you as a guy who provides a lot of inspiration in whatever message you share. I, I always felt lifted, but I feel also in a way excited when I hear you talk about God. And I hear you talk about life and, and the gospel. Um, the way that you view things gets my, gets my blood flowing a little bit. I get excited. I, I almost want to, I almost want to go out on the streets and just stop like the next person that I see and be like, Hey, have you heard about Jesus Christ? Let me tell you about this awesome plan that he has for you in your life. And, uh, that's literally how I feel when I'm around you and, and, and Alicia and, and myself and our kids, we just felt that you and your wife wrapped your arms around us and, and we connected with you guys while we were there and, and just became, you know, the best of friends. And it was fun to see you. Obviously, when you came back to your old stomping grounds in Colorado and you stopped by the hotel and you've just been a great friend. And, and, and so I knew that eventually I'd have you on the show if you'd be willing to share your story. And thank goodness you said yes, because people need to hear Sam Houston's incredible message. So that said, Sam. Take it away, my friend. Tell us about yourself, and let's get let's get rolling. Michael, I'm humbled. Thank you. You're you're a good friend, and um, that friendship will continue for eternity. And and that's what I'm most grateful for. Right. Amen. Well, um, yeah. Uh, reel back uh, way before you were born, for sure. <laughs> uh, I I grew up in Colorado. I I was born of goodly parents that were non-member. Uh, but at that time, I didn't know how great I really did have it, and uh, that they gave a foundation, gave me a foundation of belief and faith. And uh, growing up, growing up in the Lutheran faith, uh, very strong. Um, met uh, some good Mormon friends, and I say Mormon because back then it was right. And uh, we we continued to uh, talk about our Mormon friends, and I didn't really know that kids were Mormon back then. In fact. Uh, uh, at the time that we were growing up, I thought they were saying moron. Hey, you got some moron friends. I said, no, no, they're cool. They're cool. They're not morons. They're, they're, they're good guys. Good guys. So we, I'd hang around these, these, these people. And I dated uh, uh, a girl back then that, uh, you know, we were just, I guess, just real happy in times of growing up through the, uh, going over to her house and watching family home evening with her and playing the piano and singing and things. I had no, no idea the concept of what was happening uh, to me was that I, I 
I was feeling at home and I could feel the spirit, but nothing was ever mentioned about church sure. and the church. For years, I dated her and really didn't really ask her much about the faith until uh, later, uh, my sophomore year in college, she was attending BYU and I was at ASU and I was uh, on a swimming scholarship there. And uh, one summer, I just I popped the question. I said, hey, you know what? How can I learn more about your faith? And she went pale. She didn't know what to say. She clammed up. She said, you know, I, I don't want to answer that question without some backing. Give me a day or so and let's revisit this. So a couple of days went by and went over to the house and she had collected every single pamphlet that the church had, you know, and she wrapped it and it was thick. It was like eight inches thick and it had three large rubber bands around. It looked like the golden plates of <laughs> pamphlets. No, I kid you not. It had three rubber bands on it. And she goes, here, you, you want to know what the church, here you go. Yeah. Took it home didn't know what to do, laid them all on the bed, had the, the bed was covered in pamphlets, shut the door. And I thought, where do I start? And wouldn't you know, the first pamphlet that I picked up was the Joseph Smith testimony. And I started reading it. I started reading the Joseph Smith story. And immediately I was just overcome by the story. And as I was reading it, I kept asking myself in my head, what if this is true? And every time I thought that, I mean, the feeling that the peace and the were, and, and were feelings I hadn't really felt. And I started crying and I, I thought, why am I crying? I'm, you know, and, and so I kept reading. And then I got to Moroni and the visitation of, of him and the place. I'm going, wow, what? Did this really happen? And when I'd asked that question, going back to the whole purpose of Joseph Smith asking the question, I was go having my Joseph Smith moment. I mean, I we all talk about that, right? Where's 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 my Joseph Smith moment? I I felt that I knew that. Fast forward, we went to Salt Lake City, Mike, and I said, I'll tell you what, I'll fly from Salt Lake to ASU. Let's don't, I don't want to fly out of Denver. I'm going to drive you to Salt Lake. I want to see this temple. I want to see this visitor center. We drove out there. We were, we were driving so hard, so fast, because we knew we only had so much time. The next morning I was going to leave. And I thought, we got to make it there. And, and the visitor center was closing down. It was <laughs> dark. And we were running across to the south or what was the north visitor center, because the south visitor center hadn't been uh, built yet. And we're running and we get there. There's nobody there. Oh. And so my friend, she starts crying. And I said, there's got to be somebody here. And I looked in the window and there's two missionaries, a husband and wife, brother and sister gold. All right. Never forget them. Yeah. And they come to the door and they said, we've been waiting for you. Place shut down 15 minutes ago. They're closing gates and everything. They said, we've been waiting for you. So that's how my journey started. I got to ASU, called the missionaries. Missionaries couldn't believe it. They thought, oh, wait a minute, you know, someone's playing a joke. We fast forward, I get to the I get to the discussions. I get to the first discussion and they said, we'd like to tell you first about Joseph Smith. And I said, no, no, no. Let me tell you about Joseph Smith. <laughs> and and the elders sat back and you know, jaws dropped. And I'm telling the whole story because I had read it over and over again. Well, by that time I'd read almost all the pamphlets. And so they said, uh, well, we, this has been a great discussion. We've been sitting here for two hours talking about Joseph Smith. Well, we need to make another appointment with you, you know, Brother Houston. And here I am, 19 years old, ASU campus. I said, wait, I'm, I'm not ready to go. Can we, can we talk some more? Yeah. I said, well, we need to make an appointment. I said, well, what about? <laughs> well, we need to tell you the next discussion. I said, well, what's that? We're discussing well, right now. I think you're right. And I said, well, what is it? They said, the plan of salvation. I said, plan of salvation. Let me tell you about that. So I had told them all about oh, the awesome. pamphlet. They're blown away. We sat there for four hours, our first discussion. When we got to the third discussion, this is what's important. 
we got to the third discussion and they said, well, we'll teach you the third discussion. You probably already know all about it. And it's about prayer. Long pause, crickets. I said, I, I don't know how to pray. So they fold out, they pull out the flip chart and gave me the four steps of prayer. And so they said, would you like to say the prayer? And I said, well, just keep that flip chart open so I can watch. And when I started that prayer and I asked those feelings that I had when I first opened that pamphlet, they hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was then, it was all, it was two and a half months now that I had all these feelings. I didn't know what it was. And it was the elders, you know, we were all crying at that point. The spirit was just dripping. And he said, you know, Sam, do you know that feeling you're feeling? I said, yeah, what is it? And so when they identified the Holy Ghost, it was over. It was game, game on, ready to go. I was baptized two weeks later. And one week after I was baptized, I was made gospel doctrine teacher at the huh. university ward. Yes. <laughs> so, so you were, you, you had that experience with the golds on Temple Square. And, yeah. then, and then you went and you were in a rush. So that four hour discussion, that, that put you back a little bit. I was, I, I, I asked them, well, how soon can I be baptized? And they were just blown away. They were like, wait, 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 we got to get all this stuff in, you know, we got to interview and we got all this stuff. And I, I was just, I was just so ready to go. I, so let me, let me get this straight, Sam. What you're saying is you were the golden investigator for the golds on the mission. Yeah. No, Isn't so cool? so Isn't that cool. So two weeks later you get baptized and you're at this point, you're down in Arizona, right? I'm at Arizona State and uh it didn't go well with uh, a lot of friends. Uh I have to say uh you know there were there were no cell phones back then. We all wrote letters. Um I called my folks, I let them know um not pleased and I can understand that. Um understand it more now today than I did back then but not pleased you were joining the church. Correct. And right. I, I got pummeled. I was a pretty high profile athlete. I was number one in the country at that time coming out of high school. And there were a lot of people that knew me in the, in the circles of athleticism, of, of swimming and, and other sports. And my dad was very well respected and known. And so I got a lot of anti-Mormon shock. Sure. And people, people were vocal to you just because you were who you were. Yeah. 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 And you sure what you're doing and don't rush and take your time. And, but again, it's like a Joseph Smith moment, right? You, yeah, you can't deny the spirit. What happened to Joseph Smith when he first told of the plates? I mean, and then here we go. And I was having that same kind of parallel persecution all of a sudden, and, but I was ready for it and it made me stronger and, and my journey took off. Fast forward a little bit, a couple more years, the 80 Olympics were around the corner. Um, it's 1978, I was baptized, 1980, I was um, number two in the country in the 100 freestyle and we're coming into Moscow Olympics and I'm at the NC2A tournament in uh, Harvard. Uh, they were at Harvard that year. My mom and dad had flown out to see me. They, they actually sold furniture, we, we were poor. And, they sold furniture to come see me swim. It was the first time my dad and mom had been together ever to see me swim in a national meet. And cool. here I am, uh, it's five day meet, it's day two, and we're watching TV and uh, in between prelims and finals. And on TV comes Jimmy Carter and uh, President Jimmy Carter and says, uh, they said, we liked, we, well, please excuse the interruption. We have an important announcement from the president of the United States. We're like, whoa, what's going on? And it's then that he said that uh, due to the war in Afghanistan, the United States will not, not be participating in the 1980 Olympics in Moscow. Oh, man. So that evening and that next day in the locker room with all these athletes, all these 1976 bronze and silver and gold medalists are in the locker room. We're going, he can't, he can't do that. We, there's no way this is going to happen. We, we didn't believe it. Well, day three came, day four came. We realized it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. I didn't know what my journey, what was going to happen, Mike, at that point. So I, 
went to my scriptures and in my scriptures, I write my patriarchal blessing, right? And you and I were talking about this before yeah. we started and I wrote it by hand and I'm just, I was reading through it and in there, it says, you are a capable man and you will serve a mission for the church and be an honorable man. Now, wait, I never saw that before. And I wasn't thinking about a mission. I mean, come on, you know, I'm two years into the church. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm focused on, I want to be the Michael Phelps of, you know, you know, of the church, you know, or whatever. I went in the bathroom, shut the door. I have a roommate, put the toilet lid down, put my arms on. And I said, Heavenly Father, what, what do I need to do? And, uh, and really it was from there. He just said, read your prayer to it, it was, read your prayer to our blessing. Read it. Wait a minute. Go on a mission went back into the bathroom <laughs> hold on are you sure this is what you want me to do i have no money my parents are way way anti i have no support and that feeling oof, there it is. Here it comes again i knew i had to go i knew it was true that was friday saturday i saw my folks and michael i uh we went out to dinner and dad goes well son what are you gonna do the dream i mean the canceling everything. I said, Dad, I'm going to serve a, a mission for the church. And he stood up. He said, that's it. You're done. Mm. We're done. He says, come on, Marion. We're out of here. Mm. And um, I sat in a Greek, we're in this little Greek restaurant. I was sitting there by myself thinking, I, I should be really upset right now. But I had so much peace and so much protection going on. I didn't know it at the time. That was Saturday. We fly back Sunday. I'm on campus. Go to school Monday. I'm student teaching at Westwood High School in Mesa. I ride my little cycle over there. I do my student teaching. I come out of student teaching. And there's a guy standing by my motorcycle in a suit, white shirt tie. Didn't know who he was. He said, Sam Houston, right? Said, yeah, how do I know you? He goes, you don't know me, but I know you. I heard you give a fireside. I give a lot of firesides. Yeah. So I gave, heard you give a fireside and that you're going to go to the Olympics and you're pushing for it. And my wife and I were watching the TV this last week, same program we were all watching. And your, your name came to my mind. And that night, my mom and my wife and I, we knelt down and we, we prayed for you. And he said, my name's Dr. Schill. And I'm the stake president of the Lehigh Stake. And I want you to know, the Lord has told me you need to go on a mission. And I want you to know, you don't have to worry about it. We're going to support that mission. Oh, how cool. I, this is 48 hours later. I had all the money to go. That night, my bishop called me. Same thing happened. Sam, get down here. You're back from NC2As. And I said, yeah, I am. Get down to the office. I got to talk to you. My wife and I were praying with the kids. And we were praying. And we said, Sam's got to go on a mission. I want you to know that we're going to support you. That's Financially, anything you need to do. I said, Bishop, I got all the money I need. Open up. He opened up the desk. And we filled out my mission papers that night. Now, I was called to Pittsburgh. Okay. I thought I was going to, you know, someplace, who knows, Tonga, whatever, just come back with a new language or whatever. And I'm going to Pittsburgh. And I look it up on the map. I couldn't remember where in Pennsylvania and whatever. And I didn't know why. Is Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania? Oh, dude. <laughs> right? I'll tell you what. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to like, smack you through the screen. When I, when I got my call to Indiana, I was like, okay. I know that's east somewhere, but I, <laughs> right. right? You kind of get the you get the map out. And you're like, okay, geography. Okay, there it is. Oh, okay. Is it really okay. east? Yeah. Is it really east? Because east is New York. But wait a minute, where's Pittsburgh? So I get to Pittsburgh, and while I'm on my mission, right? I'm now, and as I was telling you before, now I'm on my mission. I'm receiving all of these letters. Everybody's not only did I tell everybody I'm no longer, I'm not going into my senior year at ASU and I gave up my scholarship and my coach told me never to come back. I never want to see you again. Uh, maybe BYU will take you or whatever. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm going on my mission. 
So I'm getting all these letters and all these letters are coming from aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever, and they're all genealogy stuff there. It's all pedigree charts and letters on, did you realize your aunt and uncle did? I'm like, boring. And I put it in a, and I put it in a shoebox and I just kept collecting it. And I got this huge stack and I put this lid on it. And I kept carrying it from every place I was serving. And I get to the end of my mission and, oh, there's so many stories I could tell that happened. Uh, we delivered one of the first Russian Book of Mormons in the, in the United States, in Pittsburgh. It just, I mean, you could still smell the ink on the Book of Mormon. It was so awesome. Yeah. And, and, but I, I got to the end, I got my scholarship back. My coach took me back uh, gladly and then we went back and things were wonderful. Fast forward, I get married. I, you know, I have kids, whatnot, and everything's going great. I come back, I'm a teacher, coach in Colorado. The life just takes off. Unfortunately, in, in uh, my life, I went through a divorce and uh, it was hard, still hard, yeah. that I had three children, beautiful children. And as I was pushing through, and now time has really taken off into the years now, I'm now into like 25, 30 years going through some bumpy roads, some real, real tough bumpy roads. Sure. Uh, divorce is not easy. And uh, I actually was inactive for about seven years. Just said, you know, I don't, I'm tired. I was young men's president and I was eldest corn president. I said, you know, I, I'm just tired and uh, divorced and felt alone. When I finally found my way, it took me back to Arizona and I was slowly getting back to where I needed to be. And um, let me, let me share one experience with you. That was pretty cool. I had a moment where I, I was teaching the gospel to a, a friend of mine because they asked, mm -hmm. Hey Sam, you're not, are you still, you still Mormon and everything? I said, well, I, I never lost my testimony. I never lost all the things that I had. Yeah. But I was far away. I was 40 miles, 45 miles away from a nearest church. It's it very easy for me to just say, eh, you know, why give up four hours today? Hour drive, three-hour church, hour drive back, you know, whatever. When I started teaching again, the spirit came back. I realized I needed to go back. And when I grabbed hold of the, the handle of the church, I said, I'm not going to look back. This is it. I'm going forward. I opened it up. And I walked into a church. I hadn't been into my ward for seven years. And I, the door was shut. So I knew that I was late, number one, because they're doing sacrament. I thought, oh, no, I missed it, you know. And uh, I knew that much. But I opened it up, and they weren't quite there. And I look up, and the bishop was my first count is who is now the bishop was my first counselor in the young men's presidency when I left. Yeah. He's now the bishop. Yeah. And he looked over at me and he stopped. He was trying to introduce, now we're going to sing this hymn for the sacrament. And he stopped. Tears. Walks off the podium, from the podium down to me, and we embrace. Oh, I love it. And he's He's bawling. I'm bawling. He's whispering in my ear, welcome home. Well, that wasn't fair. Because the rest of the ward, who I still knew, wanted a piece of me too. So for 15 minutes, we're all hugging in the chapel before the sacrament. I love it. It was dripping with the spirit. <laughs> it was awesome. That is so cool. So... It, eventually, I got back to Arizona, and I, I found, finally, the, the woman of my dreams. Never thought I'd marry again. In fact, a friend of mine came to me, and he said, Sam, I found the, the right woman for you. I said, what's her name? He said, April. I said, no. I said, yeah, I told you. We started laughing. I said, I told you. There's no way. I tell you what. There's, the only way I'll just maybe even meet her is if she's filthy rich and she's got no kids and she wants to travel. And I just, you know, I kind of, I want to go on a mission again, all this stuff, but most important, she's just got to have the gospel and she's got to be just dug in. Cause I'm done with baptizing people and bringing them into the church. I want someone to just pull me along for a little bit. Right. He said, well, no, 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 no. Yes. 
<laughs> the one you want. April and I married on January uh, 20th, 2012. And uh, I was working at that time in a great job. And uh, four months later, um, I lost my job. Man. It was the first time I'd ever lost my job. Uh, a job. I, I've, I've never lost a job. So let me let me pause before you go into how that lost. Did you go back down to Arizona with a job already like offered to you? Yeah, that's what uh, that I was I was teaching in Colorado for twenty five years. Okay, and then um, then I decided to get my master's, and that's what took me to Arizona. Okay, and I worked for I went into healthcare, which I'm okay. still in today. Yeah. That whole shift took me down to Arizona, my home, my roots, back to Mesa, and here I go. So yes, um, and that job was a solid job. I was down there four and a half years, and then I met April, and here we go. Um, just, I'm just soaring. I mean, yeah. things are, we're, we're, we're looking at just a beautiful life. Two things happened prior to that, though, too. My daughters, my three daughters had more or less told me, dad, if you ever marry again, we're done. We're done. We, this is too hard for us. They're older and they're college, college years and whatnot. I knew it was going to be hard and I promised them I wouldn't. And then I meet my wife and I haven't talked to them in nine and a half years. Mm. They dug their feet in, and so did I. Remember, it's December 19th. Talked to my girls. So, um, but we went forward and we continued forward. And then I lost this job and I was destitute. I was you know, the, the provider thing and all of the things that come with a male and wanting to, to provide and supply and, and create this wonderful umbrella of, of life, I, I felt inadequate. I felt less than. Yeah. Well, here's really the part of my delight. As I was sulking, as I was in the corner with my thumb in my mouth, pity party, oh me, which I can look back and see now, I didn't realize just how selfish I was being with, with my feelings. I uh, pulled out stand for something from President Hinckley. And in there, he said just that. He said, you know, when you go to that pity party, get up and serve. And it hit me right between the eyes. And I thought, well, what, what can I do? The next day, hold up the computer. I'm looking for jobs and whatnot. And I get a little blurb in my email about family search. I thought, wait a minute. I got time. Let's, let's, let's go there. So now it's been, you know, I've never had that real interest or whatever. And then it hit. And as soon as I got in, I couldn't get out. Just this overwhelming, and I'm reading the scriptures and I'm going through, and Malachi's screaming at me. The turning the hearts to the father, to the children. I mean, it was just screaming at me. And then I'm looking at my patriarchal blessing and there's a whole paragraph of what I'm going to do for my ancestors that never resonated with me. I get about a month and a half into it and I start calling my parents and I start asking all these questions and mom, hey, you know, where was, where was grandpa Pirock, which is the other side, where's grandpa Pirock and grandma Pirock from? Because I, I don't show they're anywhere outside Michigan where we were from. So you'll say, we don't really know. They, they came from Serbia to the United States. They exiled to, from Serbia. We're not real sure where they came to, I thought, wow, I got, I got to figure this out. <laughs> Wait, the shoebox. I go back and I get the shoebox. The shoebox. I open it up and I start pulling it up. And guess what? All my ancestors on my mom's side came to Pittsburgh. Oh, you're kidding. 
and they lived right where I was serving my mission. And then they moved to Michigan. And that's where our whole family's from, is from the Michigan area, where we moved to Colorado. And I'm going through towns that I served in, that they lived. I was that close. Uh, how amazing. So cool. the hundreds of names now that, that are now compiled that over now, I can't give it up. I'm into midnight. I'm into late at night. And my wife, who has been a member all her life, and their, their line goes all the way back to Nauvoo, 99% of their work is done. And she's now coming into my world, and she's now the, the female part to play. We never missed a week in the temple. We're going every week, sometimes twice a week. We had so much work to do. The first 30 names were the closest relatives to me. We got, we set up a day. We went to the Mesa temple and um, it was just she and I, nobody else. And if you've never been to that Mesa temple, it's huge. The baptistry is gigantic. Yeah, it's big. And we're in there and I baptize my grandmother and my grandfather. I'm baptizing the family thinking, I'm going to have this moment. I'm going to have this wonderful, you know, fire and all, nothing. It was just quiet. I get my names done and I'm walking into the locker room. And I can hear the waves of the and I look back and I see the three gentlemen that are there serving in white. And I turn back and it hit. And what hit was a message to me through the spirit of gratitude for the work that just had been accomplished. And it was overwhelming, just like all the way back to 1978. No different, but just with more. It still just took me. We get to the confirmation. A man walks in. He says, hey, I'm just here today, just helping out. Do you need some help with these names? I said, some of these names, some of these names are really hard to pronounce. He says, let me see those. He goes, these are... Uh, Serbian names, Yugoslavian names. I serve my mission with my wife in Yugoslavia. Oh, you're kidding. We're just passing through. And we came into the temple today to see if they needed any help. Oh. <laughs> can, I, can I confirm all these names? He was crying with gratitude because he knew how to pronounce them. He knew where these people were from. He was looking at the towns they were born in. He was as much part of my life I knew, I, I didn't know him from Adam. And then whew, he's gone. I've had countless stories that are in and around family search, the gathering of Israel. And so for the past, you know, now, what's it been since 2012, we really pre-COVID, we were going to the temple every week. And I still have a stack. I can't tell you what this has done to my wife and to my family, and now my family who are, I'm now back in Colorado, living with my folks, all of which are so excited about the gospel because I'm now sharing my family tree with them, and the family tree speaks to them. Oh, yeah. Nobody can, everybody, they can't get enough. My brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles are all calling me. Sam, we've, we've heard so much about the, tell us, tell us about our family. Tell us about who we are. Thank you. I feel that when President Nelson spoke that first time to the youth, and he said, it's time, it's time. Are you ready? It's time to gather Israel. It clicked. I had a little head start. Mike, I've, I have come to understand and know that the other side of the veil is actively working, even as we speak right now, on my family's behalf. And on my wife's family's behalf, I have felt them. I have, I've actually had experiences where there's been whisperings to me. This is real. It's happening. And it's, it's gradual. I don't think all of my relatives have accepted yet, but yet they're on the move. 
you can feel it. Yeah. I can't deny it. I can't deny the feeling. I'm humbled, Michael, because I was born at this time when the gospel has been restored. I have the priesthood that I can do this work. If I were to pick any other time of the whole earth's existence, I've picked the greatest time to be here. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Sam, your your faith and your strength, uh, just in in your witness is is astounding. It's powerful, and when you hear it, you can't help but go, "Gah!" You know, God's God's good to us. He has yeah. a plan for us, and He is very aware of what's happening in our lives. And although we although we go through some trials and some struggles here on this earth, you know, if we look to Him and we connect with Him and we we do our best. We're never going to do it perfectly, but if we do our best, he'll help us along the way, you know, and uh, thank you for sharing. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that with us. Um, so let's go, let's go back and let's, let's dig in a little bit more here. Yeah. If you don't mind. Yeah, please. Tell me about, I want to go back to that prayer, that first prayer. When you opened the pamphlet, you read the pamphlet and you went to the, you went to Salt Lake, you drove through, you met with the golds and they invited you to pray. You're like, I don't even know how to pray. It's actually the missionaries. It's actually the missionaries. I saw the gold in Salt Lake and then went to ASU and it was the missionaries. Yeah. I got you. Sorry, I messed that up. No, it's okay. You were with the missionaries for four hours, right? Yeah. Getting discussion yeah. one, uh -huh. two, and three. <laughs> yeah. And they invited you to pray. And coming from a background where, you know, like obviously you're part of the Lutheran church, mm -hmm. were you guys active when you were a kid growing up in your in your parents' home? Yeah, we were. And but the, the prayers we had were already writ. Right. Yeah. They were, it's kind of like a lot of the Catholicism type of, you know, repeat, repeat prayer. Yeah. So, so you go to church, you repeat, you repeat prayers with people. Uh -huh. You're at home. Sometimes you'll say prayers, but, but they're very repetitive. And, and prayer every, every night at dinner, you know, so there's not a lot of feeling involved there, right? You don't have to think a whole lot. You just have to know the prayer and say it. Yep. Yep. Fine. First time you ever say a prayer. Can you just talk about that for a second? What, what, I mean, were you scared? How did that feel? I felt naked. I felt vulnerable. I felt like I'm, I'm now opening up in an area that I'm not confident. And so, yeah, I'm, scared and i'm sitting with these two boys who i believe know everything who seem to me to be my friends but i just met them today and now i'm now i'm gonna open myself up am i gonna say the right thing am i gonna say the wrong thing but luckily for me they had a flip chart <laughs> <laughs> and i i'd have one eye open and i look at number one i say all right Okay, we thank the okay, we thank you. Number two, okay, like ask. You know, so you go through. But what was most important to me was that I couldn't get the words out. The, the spirit was so strong. I already knew. That that was the whole point to the prayers that I already knew, even before I even asked the Lord. It's kind of like what the Lord told Oliver Cowdery. Right, we're reading it right now in Doctrine and Covenants. What, why are you asking me? You already know, right? I, I don't need to really tell you again. You took no thought before, you know. And that's where I was. I was at that point of, I've already received the witness. But that, that piece of learning of the Holy Ghost and the witness of the Holy Ghost and identifying what it actually was that's that was the piece powerful so I, before we move on to that because i want to ask you about the holy ghost for a second but before we move on from prayer what would your advice be to anybody who doesn't know how to pray so so if someone who never has said a prayer before wants to find out or just is desperate you know they say they're in in despair and they're desperate and they just don't know that there is a god how, like what would you what what would you what advice would you give to them in saying hey try it out here's here's how it works this is what you do sure. and then and think about this too sam 
even as people who love God, sometimes like your seven years, we fall away. Yeah. We, we kind of try and say, I'm hurting right now. I'm, I'm in pain right now. I don't really understand. You know, maybe we say, God, I know you're there, but I'm going to put you in, I'm going to, I'm going to try and put you in the closet for a while. Yeah. If, as if that works, but, but we, we disconnect if you will. And, and I've mm-hmm. been there myself, but what, what would you say to those people who don't know how or don't or just want to try? What would you say? I'd say find your sacred grove by way of preparing for that first little communication. Think of it just like Joseph did. It could be your bedroom, but it could be a mountain walk. It could be could be your office when everybody's gone and and you're not afraid to kneel, to put yourself in the position, physical position, to start that prayer. And all you have to say is, dear Father, oh, Father, I need your help. That's it. And from that, you'll feel things that will give you the opportunity to say the things that you need to say in the prayer. That's it. I don't know what else, how how more simple I could say, but you have to be willing to be vulnerable before the Lord. And I'm telling you, something happens when you get down on your knees. We know what happens when we get on our knees and we have a diamond in our hand, right? I mean, yeah, we're 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 in for it. When we when we really succumb to to that private place, and we and we kneel, even after seven years for the first time, I, I I prayed, but not like I needed to. But when you get to that point, you know what I'm talking about. Yep. It's it's deep. And it's piercing. And you're exhausted. You get up and you are different. You feel the grace. You feel the peace. And it's that simple. It's it's that simple. But there's got to be that courage. I'm going to tell you something that happened here at my nursing home about prayer. It just happened just um, last week. I see a lot of people here, covid that are in our building. Mm. There's isolation. So they have 14 days isolation. You can't can't see a family, anybody. So I'll go to their rooms as the administrator and see how they're doing. And I pray every morning for opportunities to to share that light, that delight. That's right. And uh met a guy last week. He was distraught. He goes, I, I'm done. I'm in my 80s. I'm done. I don't want to live anymore. There's nothing here. He said, something's different about you. He said, are you a Christian? He said, I most certainly am. How can I help you? He said, would you pray for me and with me? So I pulled up the chair, shut the door, created our little grove, held his hand, and we prayed. And he looked up and we got done and we, we, we felt that connection. But again, he said it had been years since anybody wanted to pray with him. And it was that simple. And so I say to all of these people that may be listening, and I hope there's at least one out there that would just take the challenge and have the courage to bring yourself to your knees and if all you can do is just say dear father he'll take it from there that was awesome thank you for sharing that powerful so go into let's transition because there's feelings involved here and the holy ghost you know it's, it's interesting sam about the world we live in they tell us that our feelings will betray us right and yeah. and you know, maybe sometimes depending on the feelings that we do feel, those feelings could betray us. But but tell me about your experiences with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, 
How do you know that it's the Spirit? How do you feel? Well, like anything uh, in life, uh, as we exercise uh, our faith, like we would our bodies, uh, we don't just get into shape day one. It takes time. There's effort involved. But the, the key for the Holy Ghost is that precious gift that Christ talked about, that when, when he left the earth for the, for the last time, after he's leaving with the apostles, are, are begging him to stay. He says, I, I, I leave with you the most, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but I'm leaving with you the most important gift, peace. Peace I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. That is the peace that communicates the Holy Ghost and think, is it, is it the Holy Ghost? Is it not? Did I feel peace? Yes, I did. Then, then I'm in line. Then I'm connected. Stupor of thought. I go back to DNC. It's really plain to see if I'm in, in turmoil, I can't think, I'm squirreling all the time, I can't, I can't connect, I can't land. But when that peace comes, that's how I knew my wife was it. When I saw her, I had unbelievable peace. The first thing out of my mouth was, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> and it's been that way. I've, I feel like I've been married to her my whole life. I feel like, and then, and then going to the temple and sharing that and, and going to that level of the Holy Ghost, just, it, it's, I, I can't put it into words. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but, you know, I think it goes back to peace and, and knowing the difference between the stupor of thought and the confusion versus that peace. Yeah, I love it. And that does. And you know, the, the thing the world promotes, if you will, or markets is that peace is never a good thing. Never rest. Never. You got to be going, going, going. You got to be running, running, running. You've got to compete. You've got to be number one in everything. You know, title of your job, position you have, grades you get in school. None of that, if you stop and think about it, is peace. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong. By all means, it, it doesn't. That's not what I'm saying. But but nothing in this world right now is saying, peace, be still. It's a great point, especially today. What's amazing about the Lord is I was studying my scriptures the other day, Sam, and, and I, I, I decided I wanted to research what, what is the thing that Christ said out of his mouth more than anything else. And it's very interesting what he said, but he said the, the number one repeated thing he taught in the scriptures that's stated in the Bible is do not be afraid. Number two is peace. Those two things. Don't be afraid. Peace. And, and I think of all those things that we go through in this life that, that cause us inner chaos and turmoil in our spirits, and we all go through it. doesn't matter who you are. All of us have questions of self-worth. Are we worth it? Are we valuable? Do, does anybody care about us? Are we, you know, do we have anything going for us, right? Even if we're, even if we're the, the Olympic swimmer, you know, there's those moments where you're stopped in your tracks and you have these questions of, I don't feel any value right now, you know? Yeah. Um, and when you connect with God, that's his message to you is peace. Peace, be still and trust in me. You lay it, lay your burdens in my hands and let me help you. I just told you a story that has happened over 40 years. And it may sound like, oh, this is a great story. And, oh, this guy's just had his way paved. I mean, it seemed like it's been a golden road for this guy. I can't tell you the bumps, the hard bumps, the, the valleys that, are, that have been created with my poor decision-making, with with decisions I made that were not right, the selfishness that, that that has taken me away from what's right, the pain and the darkness, suicidal thoughts. You think I had everything, man, this guy's mm -hmm. got it made. Do, do you know how hard it is to 
to have a Christmas coming up. You don't have a job. And you're going to the Bishop's storehouse, which you're so grateful to have. And then there's a knock at the door. And then you open it up and there's an envelope with money that can buy gifts for your kids. I was the guy giving the envelopes for years. I was the guy, but that was my turn. That was so hard. It was so hard to receive. It's so easy to give, but it was then it was so hard to receive. I've learned so much about just hold on in those dark, dark times. The only thing that got me through that was the peace. Tears would well up. My throat was on fire. I, I thought I was going to lose it with it. It was so overcoming that to feel the Holy Ghost as I'm holding this envelope, which is answering a prayer. And I got tears gushing out because I, I can't contain myself. And at the same time, I'm laughing because I'm so happy because I understand what this gift really is, where it came from, and what I'm feeling right now as a witness. I, we could end right here, and that would be enough. But I've got a few more questions for you. The first one, your three daughters right now. What would you say to them if you could see them today? Uh, that's a hard question. Yeah. Because I think about it every day, and I still haven't found the answer. I would say very simply, I hope you know how much I love you and how much you've meant to me my whole life and that I have never, ever forgotten about you. And when the time is right, I'm here. Sometimes I have to go to that picture, Mike, with the saviors knocking on the door and it doesn't have a handle, I understand a lot more with my daughters. I can't, they're going to have the handles on their side. But my, my question, it would be just, do you realize just how much love I have for you? I pray for that day for you, Sam. I know, I know as we became good friends down in Arizona, the way that you would talk about them and, and I know that your heart is there. So Thank you. Pray for that opportunity for you. As you tell your story, I'm just like, you know, there are people and I, and I, what's so great about doing these podcast episodes and hearing people's stories is as people tell their stories, I'm like, yep, there's God. <laughs> yep. There's God. Yep. Right. Like there's people placed in our paths at like the perfect moments that catch us off guard. But then we look back and we go, holy cow, I was set up. Like I was, I was totally set up. The God set me up. Like I didn't have a choice, but the, looking back at your life, Sam, there's multiple occasions where this has happened for you and to you. And what are your thoughts on that about God's awareness yeah. of you? Well, that's, that's just a really good point. I think that's, that's the, that's the Testament. That's the, you, you talk about having a testimony and having being converted to the gospel to be converted is to be shown and 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 so when you're willing to be shown here it is only through the holy ghost are you really shown the true nature of god and and it might be small 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 yet to you it's just so great the key is what kind of glasses you have on what are, are you you know are your goggles fogged or are they clear ready to see it that goes back to prayer. That goes back to starting your day. The days that I'm most productive, the days that I'm happiest are the days that I start with prayer. And, and I've just provided the Lord to say, show me. Okay. So yeah, I, I could go back and say, yep, there's God. Yep. There's God. But more importantly, I prepared to meet God that day. That's I just ready. forgot. <laughs> That, that that I asked for that, you know, 
am I willing? I asked for it. I asked for this blessing and it happened. Wow. Now I need to thank. Now I need to be grateful for this. But yeah, it uh, yeah, it's it's all around us. It's all around me every day. And and uh, and uh, my wife and I call them um, tender mercies. They're in there. Yep. And, he, and God's in the details, right? He is. He surrounds us. And I, you know, I think we're going to be surprised one day when we cross the other side and we recognize just how how deep into the details He really is. Um, I think that whole idea of I was set up by God, like the, well, he put someone that, yeah, right. I think that's going to be, we're going to look at our whole path and go, holy crap. The whole thing was a setup, man. You were just trying to get me back home, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was. And you didn't listen well, to me exactly. half the time, right? Okay. So um, last question, I, I may have another one after that, but last question with, with everything that you've been through, Sam, I, you know, you've been through phenomenal times young man i mean gosh you were just about to make it into the olympics that dream was crushed michael phelps you got lucky because sam houston would have been he would be the number one medal holder but uh you know like a lot of experiences were just kind of ups and downs of life right but you've had some hard difficult soul stretching times yeah you've had some suicidal thoughts right certain points of your life in the darkest moment of your life that that moment where you just wanted to throw in the towel yeah. and say, I quit, I'm done. What's the gift that was given to you? The gift that was given to me is I go back to by just looking up during those dark times. If you, if you think about the dark times, you're usually looking down. There's a physical presence that your your head is down. But when the head is up and you see the light, that's when... God whispers and little things trigger. I, I don't know what it is, but there are this, these little glimmers that come up and the reminder is there. When I was inactive, I thought, and this is great. I got all the time in the world now because I don't have a calling. I don't have to go do my home teaching. I don't have to do all this stuff. I, and it's to me at that time, I didn't realize that I was throwing the church under the bus, you know, I, that was keeping me in line, right? What, what, what happened during that time is that I'm going through life and I'd be driving. And like, as an example, I look over and I'd see way off in the distance, I'd see a steeple and it was a church building. And I think, boom. You're there. You know me. You knew, you knew I'd look over there and you knew I'd. And then the whisper come, you know, this is true, Sam. But I'm going to let you have your day. Go play. And then you drive and you walk and whatever. And then you're watching TV and boom, church commercial. Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. Boom, you got me. Oof. Isn't, Isn't it about, about time? time? I'll go. I'll go to my folks, and they'll say, "Sam, I was listening to the Mormon Tabernacle Choir this morning." And I'm Mister Inactive, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, "You're not going to let me be, right?" He promised. You asked. I promised. But the most, I think, I think the most um, during my darkest times. When I am wearing what I'm wearing right now that I received in the temple as a reminder, that's been my greatest gift physically. It's a constant reminder. Yeah. And I, I, and I, you know how I feel about the temple, but when the initiatory yeah. is given, there are promises there. They're very physical on an everyday basis. And, and um, I'm, I'm so humbled to have that protection. Right? Yeah. Um, awesome, Sam. So I actually have two more questions for you. I, I'm just going to keep it. And then I'm, I'm going to have two more. 
and then I'll have two more, and Fine. we'll just keep this going all night. Someone's going to fall asleep listening to this. And going, yeah, guys, come on, end this. No, no, this is good. We're going to wrap this up here in just a second, but I, I do, for some reason, I just feel like I need to give you a chance to, to say something about April, you know, talk about, you know, what she's been, what she's meant to you in your okay. life. In September of 2011, I was divorced, I was alone, swore I'd never marry again. I get a phone call from my mom and she's feeling it through the phone. She said, son, you know what you need? You need to find yourself a pioneer Mormon woman. One who has a genealogy that goes all the way back. She said, quit baptizing all these women and that you've been part of your life <laughs> and, and, and trying to bring them in. She goes, you need someone who has that line. And I, I about dropped the phone, you know, and I, I thought, mom, did, speak to me. So when I first met April and that day, I just told you that, you know, I said, where have you been? What I didn't realize was this going back to the temple she was looking as, as, as much as I was looking for that, that connect, that companion that could share that temple covenant and do the work. My wife, we call her the bridge. She's the bridge to my family. My entire family love her. If there's one person my daughters could meet, if I had everybody out there other than the Savior himself, it'd be the closest thing to the Savior, and that'd be my wife. And she would be the bridge that's going to bring them back. I'm confident that's going to happen. That's my wife. She's the bridge. And um, she's the bridge to our kids. Uh, all of our kids that we had, the grandkids that we have now, the beautiful, wonderful family I have, she's our bridge. And the last thing uh, a lot of people go, they, they call April the conduit. You know, she's just, yeah, she's, if, if you need prayers to be answered, you just uh, dial 1-800-APRIL. April. No, I'm just kidding. You, she's got it. She's got an end. She's got an end. And your wife is the same way. <laughs> Amen to that. You know, April is amazing. And what I what I find fascinating, Sam, is knowing that you've gone through a hard thing, divorce, and you know, your self-worth goes down. And, and a lot of a lot of times I've been through divorce myself, and a lot of times people feel like, well, that was my chance, or I'm never gonna have that chance again because now mm -hmm. I've now I'm not yeah. worth it. Yeah. Right? That's not true. Yeah. That's You're yeah. never done. That's right. That's right. I love that. And last, last question, we're there. Um, I just feel like I, I've never really asked somebody this on a podcast before, but I feel it's appropriate to do with you. Tell me your thoughts about Jesus Christ. Everything I just shared tonight is because of him. He truly is the Savior. To to talk about the Savior and my feelings of the Savior, it's uh, it's deeper than any family relationship that I've ever had. It's deeper than any any relationship that I've ever had. The Savior has been. Uh, he's been my true friend. If there's one, we talk about Facebook and you talk about all these social media things that kids want and want to piece together. And who's my friend? Jesus Christ is my friend. He does not let me down. He's always there for me. During my darkest time, I know he's holding me. He is my friend. And um, I think I'm so blessed to know him in the small fathom of 
who he is and his greatness, but that as much as I know about Jesus Christ in the 40 years that I've really gotten to know him, I'm humbled to be able to say to you, to anyone else that's listening, be willing to let him be your friend. Be willing to let him share what he shared with me and with you and with so many others. I testify to you that he's real. I know that he will answer your prayers. And sometimes he will back off and he will let you experience things for your good so that you'll really understand what the whole mission is about. Again, he's given us a wonderful, wonderful gift in the Holy Ghost that we might feel him at any time, at any place. So thank you for giving me this opportunity, Michael. I, I love you as a brother. I love that you've told me many times, I remind you of your dad and I can't wait to meet him. Okay. When I cross the veil and uh, hopefully you and I will be together at some point. And I can't wait for that introduction. You'll love him. He is awesome, but you could kick his butt in a swim. I bet he looks good in a speedo. <laughs> I don't know about that. In his prime, maybe. We'll, we'll see when we're in our primes, right? But no, Sam, I love you too, man. And, and you, there, there's just those people that you meet in your life um, where you feel that the connection runs deeper yeah. than just that moment that you meet or that friendship that you form. It, it, you, you know that there's people that you are supposed to meet and that you are connected to beyond what this life offers here on this earth. So, And I'd say to those listening, Mike, don't be afraid to let those relationships ignite right? Amen. It's a scary world out there, but there are many, many of us out there that are willing to, to grab you by the hand and take baby steps together to get you back. And that's what it's all about. You know, that's, that's what it's all about is using our stories to connect with each other and help yeah. each other along the way. So Sam, thank you so much. I, like I, I just beautiful witness of God and his spirit and the savior and your, your life is a, a clear vision of what God can do with yeah. us if we are willing. And, and also you remind me of the prodigal son at certain points of your story and, and, and how he is that loving father comes running out to meet us when we come home. He doesn't wait. He doesn't wait for us to come in and give answers and explain and justify the reason we left and we did what we did. He runs to us, meets us, doesn't care and welcomes us back in, That's wrapping it. his robes around us. That's your story, my friend. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. You say hi to your beautiful wife. Hug those kids. I will. And uh, again, keep in touch. Okay, will do, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Come Towards Delight, the podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. I would love to hear your feedback. You can subscribe to this podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast or any podcast platform you use. If you or someone you know has a delightful story to share that I need to talk to, please email me at come towards delight at gmail.com.